I'm Lin-Manuel Miranda, and you're listening to Hard Knock Life. Hard Knock Life. I'm Keith Chow. I'm Brittany Monet. Hi, I'm Dominic Ma. The gang is all together once again. Good to see y'all. We are coming out of Thanksgiving weekend. It was Thanksgiving, Black Friday, Small Business Saturday. By the time this podcast is out, it will be Cyber Monday. I think it's Giving Tuesday. Like, there's so many different days between now and christmas and yeah don't forget life day the life day right like somewhere disney has fully embraced life day there was actually an official star wars social media post celebrating life day so the holiday special is canon y'all hell yeah well speaking of holiday specials and star wars those are the two things we're talking about this week on the podcast andor finally wrapped up and marvel released the guardians of the galaxy holiday specials let's start with andor Because, boy, oh boy. I think the finale solidified it as my favorite Star Wars thing. Yeah. Very stirring. What did you all think? I mean, I used to have Empire Strikes Back up here. And I guess I still do. But Jesus Christ, if Andor is not, at at the very least, 1A in my favorite Star Wars things. Well, it's weird we feel a compulsion to make a list. Because I would say, (laughs) like, and we do feel a compulsion to make a list as as fans and nerds. But what I like is how Andor complements everything and is in conversation with everything we've had before in the Star Wars universe. Mm -hmm. It makes you think of all the things that happen in a new way. And I think that's really remarkable. The reason I'm compelled to say it's 1A at the very least is, is because... Watching all 12 episodes, you know, and I know a lot of people have reservations about its pacing and all the other stuff, but taken in its entirety now, right? Because that's you could never really make a judgment about the show until you've seen the entire story. And granted, it's not the whole story, right? There's a whole other season of another 12 episodes to really give the full mm-hmm. Andor experience. But this Andor season one... Yeah, I, I, the reason I'm compelled to say that it's number one A is only because from top to bottom, episode one, episode 12, every acting performance, every direction, every camera angle, every line of dialogue, no notes. Yeah. Because <laughs> with everything else, Star Wars is like, I love The Last Jedi. There's some stuff in The Last Jedi. Yeah, I get why people complain about. I love the original trilogy, but I also admit some of Mark Hamill's line readings not great. And everyone has their opinions about the prequel trilogy. I've come around. I hated it in the 90s. I don't hate it as much now. It was 1998, <laughs> the exact, and then the 2000s, but, you know. But Andor? <laughs> I mean, even The Mandalorian, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Book of Boba Fett, like... Star Wars Rebels like there's some Star Wars Rebels episodes where I just kind of zone out and don't pay attention you know what I'm saying every single moment in Andor is thrilling to me and maybe it's hyperbole maybe it's recency bias but well I think again there's going to be a second season but I think this season had a specific project and it accomplished that project very successfully say I mean 
the thing I keep coming back to, and I just want to know what you all think of this, is that in a like a stage play sort of way, it's centered around a basic question. This is my interpretation of it. The basic question is, there's a society in conflict, two basic sides. Do we just keep killing people who are not in line with our view of what a good world is? And are people expendable towards our side of the cause? And the show, very, you know, consistently dark and grim. And again, not to overuse this phrase, but on both sides, <laughs> up to this point, I think the, the Empire... There were very uh, fine people on both sides of the... There are. <laughs> Rebellion. They, there are. That's the, that's the audacious thing about it. And hopefully the way it, it, it can make people think about things. The Rebellion and the Empire are both ruthless. They freaking kill Krieger and his whole crew gets slaughtered. Yeah. Luthen's and, not a good guy. Yeah. I mean, we, yeah. Brittany and I talked about that last week. Like, it's clear, mm-hmm. like, Luthen is not a good person. And he says as much in that amazing speech a couple episodes back where he's like, mm-hmm. what have I sacrificed? Yeah. I sacrifice who I am, right? But to your point, like, it's hard to divorce, like, our own political situation. Because when you hear Nemec's manifesto, Yes. And he talks about revolution and insurrection. Like, you can see why the January 6th rioters think they're the rebel alliance and that the tyranny that they're rebelling against, you know, the Biden administration to them is the evil empire. Mm -hmm. Like, everyone is the hero of their own story. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And it's just, it's just, it's just fascinating to your point. Like, America sits in both places. You know, we have this history of rebellion, like the Revolutionary War is this mythological thing that Mm -hmm. we've told ourselves for hundreds of years, right? Like, that's what Hamilton (laughs) is so appealing, right? It's like fan fiction of this revolutionary myth. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, we've become the Death Star, right? America is also this colonial empire that has its tendrils and is... You know, if if you're living in Central America or the Middle East, you probably look at those American tanks and yeah. American weapons the way an Aldani looks at the Imperial Navy, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's real because both sides have rousing speeches. There are a lot of rousing speeches in this final episode. Oh, yes. Both, yes. both sides have rhetoric that serves it. There's Marva's rousing speech, but I also think the ISP guy's speech about healthcare was very motivating so there's propaganda <laughs> both sides and again and also on the both sides on a costuming note the both sides wear dark cloaks we're used to them being like uh, you know the sith they are indicated by uh by the dark cloak that's the bad guy but in this last episode you know both the rebellion and the and the empire people are like shifting around in dark jedi like cloaks so anyway so i just to sum up my big point really quickly i think what it comes down to is after all the rousing speeches and death dealt on both sides can you finally come down to an act of mercy, of compassion, which is the final beat of the whole show? You know, do we really got to kill Andor to make our side of the revolution work out? That's the change. That's the action that, like, finally validates, okay, well, there's one side of this where we can change our ruthless attitude and adapt the plan, and it ends up in an act of mercy. So that's the thing that still brings with me. And we only know that because we know Andor continues on the Rogue One. Yes. If, if you're coming in completely cold to, to the to the show, they actually leave that up 
a little bit inconclusive because he says either take me in or kill me and then it mm-hmm. cuts to black right like oh right right yeah no, like I mean, you if, could, if, you, if andor you was the very first thing you've seen in star wars you have no idea if Luthen oh says, yeah yeah <laughs> right, where right. are you on on the finale of andor britain i just i loved it i thought it was just beautiful like you said it's some of the best stuff that star wars has done and even I've discussed with a friend that it's nice to have a Star Wars project that is not focusing on the Jedi or the Sith or the mystical side of it for once, because, you know, what about the everyday person who is actually, yes, being affected by the Empire and just, you know, the tyranny that's going on and how, what does their lives look like and how do normal people, besides when we see them in little pockets of things, like how are they rising up? How are they handling this? And so I think the show highlights that so well. And I think also in general, like that's kind of why the High Republic books work is because even though those ones are focused on Jedi and stuff, they're not focusing on like the Skywalker family. <laughs> so it's nice to have like stories that aren't focused on the Skywalker family and kind of really goes back to anyone in the galaxy can be someone special and can do something right and can be a change for good. But, oh, God, I loved it. I love Marva's speech. It was so great. I heard apparently her original line wasn't fight the Empire. That was supposed to be fuck the Empire. Which, you know, <laughs> I'm you know I'm kind of glad they changed it because I know, like, it reminds me of, like, fuck Batman from Titans. It's, like, <laughs> unnecessary. It's just, like, edgy for edginess sake. Like, no one... <laughs> I'm yeah. so glad that Marva... Because I saw the same thing, that Marva's final line was supposed to be fuck the empire. And it was like, that would have taken me out of the moment to be. Well, plus we don't have that established curse word in Star Wars world. Do we? We, And well, sorry, it would be frack the empire, but it was like, do we? Yeah. But this is also the first Star Wars to say shit because the, he did say shit. The not Cyro, but his, his buddy, the the other guy said shit in episode one or two. So it's like, that's already a line that they cross. They do have curse words in Star Wars because they say, well, at least damn and hell they've said. Like, hell exists in the Star Wars universe because sure. if you recall, Han Solo says that in Empire Strikes Back. He's like, you'll freeze out there. Well, I'll see you in hell. Like, yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does. Right. I was just trying to remember if in Star Wars lore there's there's something along the lines of like what the frack or what the shock or whatever it is. Yeah. The various other is as close. Mantha Pudu is yes. as close to bullshit as the on the empire is right right good but i think it would be weird for like yeah for them to, <laughs> for corvus to have some like hoodoo instead of shit so whatever but <laughs> but anyway yeah, but then also it, like right. you know if you think back to like the original star wars you know one of the complaints of andor is not enough aliens not enough aliens it's too many humans uh-huh. or like it's too political they're all the people sitting around tables talking about politics but like politics and humans is actually integral to Star Wars from the beginning. If you yeah. think back to A New Hope, the reason that the cantina scene is so impactful is that's the only time you really see aliens in A New Hope. I mean, Chewbacca notwithstanding, but like there are zero aliens everywhere else in A New Hope, you know, except for on Tatooine. Once they leave Tatooine, no aliens. It's all humans in the Rebel Alliance, it's all humans in the Empire you know and it's not so weird then that there are not all these aliens all over the place in andor so that was one that's one thing i just wanted to bung with people complaining about no aliens in andor too many humans i think some people also say oh well we never get like alien representation as a way to like kind of undermine when there's representation of people of color or or women (laughs) right right i feel like that's sometimes the response when it's just like that's not like 
doesn't mean anything but yeah i'm sure it'd <laughs> yeah. be cool to see more aliens get some i don't know storylines or or something but like i don't know no you're right that 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 alien complaint is a deep troll somewhere right it does have a cast of a nice variety of human skin tones and phenotypes and you know as we know of them on earth right various racial groups and then the the politics has also been embedded in star like you know people joke about like phantom menace starting off with like a dispute of real trade routes right but like what i think is so brilliant about andor is it really does delve into the politics of star wars in such a way that mm. we've never seen before like we get to see the inner workings of the i we get to see the inner workings of their version of the cia you know yeah and we get to see how like a senator who who has empathy for who is progressive like mon mothma who who's yeah who's like actually like you know against her own she's she's so progressive she kind of doesn't believe in her own cultures like religious practices you know what i mean and the the, the yeah. cruel irony of mon mothma's storyline which i did not anticipate going into andor is it's all about her her sacrifice is accepting her cultural background right like because for her to mm-hmm. marry off her daughter her daughter loves it she's like super into the mm. braid and all that stuff right Oh yeah. <laughs> so she's happy to be in this arranged marriage, but that's the sacrifice that Mon Mothma is is giving in order to cover her debts and fund the alliance, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I did like her scheme to try to throw her husband under the bus. <laughs> that, that wraps up nicely. Yeah, that was great. I hope we get to see Cancel Bites again. <laughs> I've seen some people complain about that scene. I don't think they understood that she was purposefully making up the fact that he's gambling well probably not even making that up i'm sure he actually is like a jerk who's gambling away all their money but the whole point of that was to cover her tracks because she couldn't figure out another oh, yeah. way to, to cover up her, her banking debts mm-hmm. yeah she was saying it out loud for the spy to hear it's all very crafty very smart yeah i will say this show is a little overrepresented on british people if we're <laughs> if we're gonna talk about you know <laughs> the make of the show my god they are from the United Kingdom, everybody. <laughs> They're so British, they say like lieutenant and privacy <laughs> and like schedule. Everybody. You know, like Star <laughs> yeah, they do say schedule. <laughs> and you know, like Star Wars, we're used to like 40, 50 percent British people, but this one was like 95 percent. <laughs> Because they filmed out there, so if they can, they're gonna get it's cheaper to have an actor that's already based in London than like you know flying people out they're already flying a couple of people out so it's just like it's let's keep most of the cast mm-hmm. and, and you know the you empire know. has to be british like it, it's weird when there are imperials who don't have british accents right right <laughs> right again that's what makes it the parody of the, of the empire and the rebellion you know that 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 also goes to that and of course with important exceptions like andor and bix right but everyone else has british accents since has a british accent <laughs> bell has a british accent right. Cyril is an American, which is interesting. <laughs> like, yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't have the UKish accent when he's talking. Oh yeah, what's the name? Very <laughs> British. He looks British because he looks like uh, Ramsey Bolton. It's easy to forget because Stellan Skarsgård was actually born with the Star Wars name. He's one of those people, so sometimes <laughs> I think he's just a fictional person. But he's yeah, he makes that choice at the end, and it kind kind of a funny meet cute at the end with Karn and Miro <laughs> running away from I, you know, the ride. We, I was the worried they were going to kiss. I'm glad they didn't kiss. Yeah, that would have been too much. Had they kissed. The tension was enough. 
I would have said, okay, there's one note I would have had for Andor is that, like that kiss was stupid, but they didn't, and they kept the tension because what what's brilliant about the show is that it built the way it builds to every I mean every episode in the season, but particularly this one, the way it builds attention. I love that the funeral march was the diegetic music that also fueled like the the action mm-hmm. in the in the scenes because even when Andor is kind of like you know rescuing Bix the music that's playing is the funeral march you know it's not it's not mm-hmm. whoever like Michael Giacchino or John Williams right it's like the the people with their space instruments marching down Rick's road in honor of Marva and like the the way it builds yeah. up Rosso with the brick like all of that and the the, the staring mm-hmm. down of the Imperials. It was just so brilliantly yeah. shot. And they kicked B2 Emo. I'm so I sorry. Know. I was that that made me mad. <laughs> oh yeah. B2. They kicked B2 Emo. Yeah, they kicked him out but, of the way. <laughs> well, and that's why I mean that's what that's what kicks off the rebellion is knocking B2 Emo over, right? Like that was the Don't yeah. kick my droids. <laughs> that was the Lexington Concord yeah, of, was... of the Star Wars Rebellion. Yeah, and isn't the okay? Did I miss this, or is the brick actually made from like? Marva's that's Marva. He hit. He hit. Bodies. He hit the so Imperium he with like, Marva. Hmm. He hit them with Marva. Okay, yes, that's what I thought. I just again the world building. Like Ferrix is a is a planet we've never heard of until Andor, and like now it's like my favorite Star Wars planet. <laughs> it's tr- I'm like thank God there was no Tatooine in this series, right? Like I'm so sick of hmm. or any sand planet at this point. Jakku, Tatooine, whatever. I'm tired of the sand planets. I'm glad now we have a brick planet. <laughs> you know, where we're but the, but they have like the culture and the even with the funeral and like everything about it, the world building of Ferrix was brilliant. Shout out to Tony Gilroy. Like his fingerprints are all over this series. It really was like a mature take on Star Wars without having to go like overboard with fuck the Empire. And I'm again, I'm thankful they didn't do that. But I understand why, like, you know, if you're a 10-year-old, you might not like this show so much. I will get a little critical. Wait, wait, what do we think about the flashback scene with Dad in cleaning out those little gearboxes or whatever they are? I like it. Yeah, I think, I mean, I like the way they handle flashbacks in Andor because it's, mm-hmm. it's thematically relevant to what they're trying to say in that particular like one of the problems with book of boba fett is that the flashbacks are so fucking random <laughs> it's like oh, oh he's in the back to tank i guess it's a flashback it has nothing to do with whatever's happening in the present whereas this like the thematic relevance of instead of abandoning you know the the gearbox we understand that you have to go back and fix it and that's kind of what andor does he doesn't just abandon mm. x for example right well. She could have just been left behind. She, her mind was gone, you know, but he yeah. he, he rescues mm-hmm. her and, and he chooses to, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll find you. He finds a way. And that's one of these big taglines from Rogue right. One. I like how they got and back to that. And we also find out what they're building. Yeah, yeah the word, right. And this is the first episode with a post credit scene, which we all guessed. We all guessed mm-hmm. that they were building <laughs> the means of their own destruction, but... It was confirmed if you stuck around after the credits for the final episode. I like how it confirmed that's why they would need so many of that thing. (laughs) (laughs) Need a lot of linking points to make this small moon-sized space station. So now that we've reached the end of Andor, I know that we don't need to rank these things, but because we're nerds and because we're Star Wars fans, we kind of have to. So if we were to just take all the... and, And I would just confined to live action star wars 
and let's just confine it to live action Star Wars series because now there's been what? Yeah, because I was just like, um, some of the movies are still going to be in front of <laughs> Andor as of right now. Not that Andor is sure, great, sure. but yeah. But of the live action series, we've had The Mandalorian, we've had Book of Boba Fett, Obi Wan Kenobi, and now Andor. I, I think it's clear where I rank Andor in the Disney shows, at least. But what about you guys? Is it as high as I know? I know Obi Wan Kenobi is one of your favorites, Brittany. I can see it on your face. Yeah, I was gonna say sorry. Kenobi is still number one, mm-hmm. but Andor is definitely number two. Then obviously Mandalorian, and then Book of Boba Fett. But I would say Book of Boba Fett episode two is before the rest of the Book of Boba Fett, <laughs> and then the rest of the Boba Fett. Like so, they're just yeah, them by episodes at this because <laughs> that was a really special episode. Yeah. yeah, that episode was so good, and then the rest of the show was so just bad. like yeah. And then yeah. like a quarter of the show was the Mandalorian. <laughs> Which those episodes, I would say they were good, but it wasn't about Boba Fett. So it just felt like it was Mandalorian 2.5. Yeah. Yeah. So the only like decent, I feel like Boba focused episode was episode two and it was great. And then the rest of the show was just like not as good as it could have been. But there are cool like elements, I guess. But Brittany, yeah. do you watch those Kenobi episodes again? I mean, have you rewatched that series? I have not. I haven't yet, but I'm going to. I've seen it more than once when it was airing because I would watch it with like my brother, and then like my mom would want to watch it, so then I would watch it with her. So I've already seen them technically like at least twice each. So okay, yeah, no, I just because I haven't rewatched a lot of these series, and mm-hmm. this this is the ones series of any of the streaming series of which there is a zillion now that i come back to and watch again because it's mainly about the writing for me and or just being mm-hmm. on the top of that and I, I, I keep harping on the writing but i don't want to make it seem like like the mandalorian is well written but it was written in a very star wars kind of way as in mm-hmm. not not as talky big images big vistas you know guy in suit of armor with a little kid in the desert doesn't need to be chatty and that's very much in the tradition of what I think, you know, traditional Star Wars is. This got into a whole different aesthetic and it was really risky because way more chatter and double talk than anything Star Wars previous. So, I mean, even like whether or not you, you know, wherever Andor is on your list, it is exceptional in all Star Wars stuff for that. Yeah, I mean, I think Andor... For me, the reason why I rank it so high is that it it does demonstrate it may not be the most innovative in terms of like, you know, like Mandalorian innovated because it created scenes using the volume, like Mm -hmm. the way Star Wars has always kind of innovated visual effects, right? Like the prequels being the first ones to give you digital, like full digital characters and the originals being the first to give you like the models and the miniatures and the matte paintings and all that kind of stuff. This didn't do that, right? There was nothing Andor did that was revolutionary visual effects-wise. What it revolutionized for Star Wars, though, is that it was the first of any of the Star Wars shows, including even Last Jedi. The cinematography and the direction in Andor is a level above anything else Star Wars has ever done. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, George Lucas' direction is very, like, two shots, one shot, over the shoulder. <laughs> like, this, where they would have, like, the the character... All the way, you know, typically that what they call like leaf space or something like where the character is like either in center of the frame or like to the left of the yeah. frame where there's space yeah. in front of them. But like they build tension by putting like Vel facing to the right of the screen all the way at the right of the screen and all the empty spaces behind her. 
And that's how you build the tension of that particular like dialogue with her and Cinta. Mm-hmm. Star Wars, they never did shit like that. Like from a cinematography perspective, you know, and even like the, the funeral dirge, thank God they didn't shoot this in the volume because like seeing that sea of marching band and the sea of citizens of Ferrix, knowing they're all really there in the set, you know, staring down the stormtroopers and the Imperials. You can only do that with practical sets, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, that's what I thought was so brilliant about the show is that the few episodes back where Diego Luna had zero dialogue, but carried like the entire episode when he was in prison without saying a word, you know? And it was all in his face. Like that kind of stuff, That those kind of risks taking is what I like loved about this show yeah and i'll just speak to you a little bit and just that i would say the last jedi was the most risk attempting yeah because mm-hmm. rian johnson does that shit too good extreme framing right i know you guys like it more than i do i, I think it's still debatable how successful he was in that risk-taking ambitiousness in andor i think again they they realized yeah. this uh, change the aesthetic kind of idea. as a last Jedi apologist, right? Like I fully admit, I mean, like there's an apologist. No, no, I mean, but it's just something people fight about. Brittany and I have survived the last Jedi wars over the last five mm-hmm. years, right? Like we know, we know what it means to say, I like the last Jedi and, and the vitriol that oh, that yeah. engenders among people. But to your point, I mean, one of the things I loved about that movie is that similarly, it did try to take risks and did try to like, shoot star wars in a way that star wars has never been shot before and some of the most beautiful images of star wars was in the last jedi and that's what i appreciate about but yes there were some things in last jedi that didn't work as much but what i thought was also brilliant is that there are seeds in last jedi that bloom in andor because last jedi is i would argue the first of all the star wars properties to really introduce the gray area between the dark and the Mm -hmm. light you know, the whole Benicio del Toro characters meant yeah. to be like, hey, you know, I sell weapons to the to the first order, but I also sell weapons to the resistance. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, who do you think Canto Bite patrons? You, they don't care. They only care about money. You know what I mean? Like that kind of yeah. like moral ambiguity mm-hmm. was what I think people rejected about Last Jedi, to be honest. Right. Because it was like it complicated the dark versus the light yeah and think yeah people are so used to these are the bad people these are the good people and there's nothing in between or there's you know it doesn't overlap in certain ways and yeah i think that's what made a lot of people uncomfortable with the last jedi and then obviously everyone always goes back to luke's characterization and it's just like i think also people idolize their heroes so much that they don't realize that like you know even your heroes can mess up and make mistakes and sometimes make mistakes that are very detrimental and can cause this huge chain reaction of then now having someone as equally as powerful wanting to you know just destroy the whole world because of that one little tiny mistake so I think it's like some people just I don't know they don't realize that like people are much more complicated than what you know, you think they are. So that means the characters are also going to be more complicated if characters are supposed to reflect people, you know, in the real world. It's like, then characters got to be complicated. Yeah. And I think to the degree they have the space to do that because this is an episodic series. Right. And, set mm-hmm. over them, and it's a little more spaced out. And that feature thing, you're, you're kind of like compressed into like, we got to get this 
big aesthetic change in like two and a half hours and oh carries oh characters with great moral ambiguity shout out to tony gilroy though for referencing canto bite in this episode <laughs> well yeah just gotta keep it real somehow <laughs> i mean i read an interview with gilroy where he's saying there was some earlier draft before he's brought on to do and or some earlier version of it which was more basically just Andor meets K2SO and they go storm a castle, you know, something more <laughs> conventionally Star Wars adventure arc. And he obviously ripped that up and did this whole other thing, which is not to say, I think that's where they're going. The second season, there'll be some version of we'll meet K2SO and go storm a big castle. But I appreciate this, <laughs> the way it's led up to a lot more, I think. Well, it's a, I think it's similar to like what Rogue One looked like before Gilroy became a part of right. that too, because mm-hmm. like Tony Gilroy was brought in to Rogue One to kind of reconfigure that movie because what we got in the final product was not what Gareth Edwards was doing. Like there's a lot, there are whole scenes in the original trailers that don't show up in the final cut. Cause this was the, when they were doing these star Wars stories, you remember like there was a whole bunch of, you know, interference. And I think for the better, I don't, I don't think anyone's clamoring for the release, the Gareth Edwards cut of Rogue One because <laughs> what came out was great. <laughs> right. Exactly. There's no, there's no like release the Edwards cut, but I'm curious to know what similar to like solo when the Lord Miller version of solo, they were already filming when, when they got they fired, were done. when Ron Howard got brought in, you know? So like, I would be mm. interested in seeing the Lord Miller cut of solo. Yeah. Yes well and i don't know because i know ron howard is great but i just feel like whatever lord and miller were going for probably would have been something i actually would have enjoyed and maybe would have then actually enjoyed alden as han but like i don't like what we got yeah yeah and a lot of people would argue this is like just uh Andor does a lot of things that like Solo maybe tried to do. Yeah. I mean, the, the espionage, yeah. the sort of scoundrel main character angle. And the, but yeah, this experiment worked out a lot better. I mean, Cassian is kind of like the Han Solo of Rogue One anyway. So it, yes, it, it does give For you sure. like what would what would Solo have been like in capable hands had had we gotten that. Last thing I wanted to bring up before we go to break, we kicked this whole conversation off with a reference to Life Day and the Star Wars Holiday Special. That's the other live-action Star Wars thing that's not a movie, so we can probably... I would rank that. That's actually my favorite live-action Star Wars thing. I've actually never seen it. You've never seen it? Then you also have to see it. Then you also have to include the the Ewoks battle for The Ewoks, yes. (laughs) Those are two live-action features. Let's if we're going to be comprehensive. Well, I wanted to ask you, though, like, you know, because... Star Wars is at least embracing the idea of Life Day. And, you know, now that we're in the holiday season, the Star Wars social media accounts are saying Happy Life Day and showing you pictures of Wookiees in red robes. Will we get the holiday special on Disney Plus? I think, like, at this point, why the hell not? They should. Was it not on? I thought it was on. It no, it's 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 still it's still taboo to, to fully admit that the, the holiday special is a thing. What was that year we were all watching? Was I watching a pirated version? Of yeah, it was on YouTube. Place? It's still on YouTube. Sorry. You can still find Sorry. it on YouTube. Okay. Maybe that's what we were doing. <laughs> <laughs> but it has not been officially claimed by Lucasfilm, right? But my my thing is like, George Lucas ain't got shit to do with Lucasfilm no more. <laughs> like, they can put, yeah. they have it. They can put it out on, on Disney Plus and let, let everyone see it. 
But again, you can just find and it on YouTube. And they can also do like, you know, a new one with actors that are still alive and still wanting to do Star Wars. Yeah, heck yeah. I mean, that's that's my thing. Like, I, I think the holiday special is a great artifact, though, and everyone should just watch it just to see like a coked out Carrie Fisher and <laughs> Mark Hamill. <laughs> like, be them, be their characters watching B. Arthur cook. A, well, is B. Arthur cooking? No, B. Arthur doesn't cook. Somebody else is doing the cooking. I, don't I know. am not having the this. I recall the holiday special. <laughs> that wasn't in the Ewok movie. Also, <laughs> That's sure. a poor segue into the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, which we'll talk about after the break. Guess what? Goalie Nutrition is sponsoring Hard Knock Life, and you can go to goalie.com to buy apple cider vinegar gummies. They're ashwagandha gummies, super fruit gummies, and super greens gummies. And you get 10% off plus free shipping if you use the code HARDKNOCK at Goalie.com. This is honestly, I've been taking the Goalie gummies now for, for a couple weeks. And I have to say, they're tasty and they're good for you. Have you guys been enjoying the Goalie gummies? I really like them. They're yummy. But it's a nice to add to my like routine of already like, I normally take just straight vitamin C. So it's nice to have like extra supplements. For a long time, people have... have praise the benefits of apple cider vinegar and you know as someone who's had to like drink straight apple cider vinegar sometimes when i'm not feeling well or you know i have a some joint pain and your mom is like drink some apple cider vinegar it's mm. not the most appetizing home remedy let's just say no, right it tastes horrible it's so like the apple cider part is like ooh, does it taste like apple cider it's like no it tastes like vinegar but acv is very good for you and the fact that goalie has been able to put the acv into these tasty little gummies made with pectin and fruit peels, which make them vegan, which is cool. So if you're vegan, you can still rock these gummies because everyone knows gummies are usually made out of like gelatin and nasty shit. This, these are made out of complete non-GMO, gelatin-free, gluten-free, vegan ingredients. And you can get the benefits, all of the benefits of apple cider vinegar taking these tasty, delicious, convenient gummies. So go to goalie.com. And use the code HARDNOCK, that's H-A-R-D-N-O-C, just like the podcast you're listening to. Get 10% off your purchase of Goalie products and free shipping. It's a much better delivery device for that apple cider vinegar. Yeah. These Goalie gummies are great. You get it I and it's, it's a delicious little candy. And I, I've been enjoying the Superfruits one. I did feel kind of refreshed after taking a few of those. Yeah, no, but I'm loving them so far. And they're definitely tasty. If you just want tasty gummies, at least just <laughs> eat them for the, the, like, the yummy is. Yeah. yeah. So go to Goalie.com, use the code HARDNOCK, H-A-R-D-N-O-C, get 10% off your purchase and free shipping at Goalie.com with the code HARDNOCK. So if Lucasfilm isn't going to embrace the holiday special, at least Marvel Studios is, what did you guys think of Guardians of the Galaxy, the holiday special? I It actually made me cry. Oh, <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me, but it made me cry. Guardians has a way like unexpectedly making people cry because I remember crying at Yondu's funeral. In oh, yeah, that, and I don't even really like volume two that much. Yes. But Yondu's like, I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. Yeah. Got me, you know. Yep. Yep. Uh, but yeah, it, it made me cry. I thought it was fun. It was cute. I don't know. It was enjoyable. And I feel like this in Werewolf by Night and Wakanda Forever might be the best things that have come out this year for yeah. 
is I, is the holiday special considered phase four or is that phase five like is I that think it is, are the specials not phase anything i think they are or maybe not because they all say special presentation in front of yeah. them but i feel like you know it doesn't really matter projects have been like the best yeah i don't know i really liked it it was fun um kevin bacon was great what was the part that was so affecting that was most affecting when i'm assuming the it's the up? mantis peter stuff right that's what i would assume but i'm asking yeah was it the sister oh, that part? Made me cry? Yeah. yeah okay so i i don't know why the part in the beginning when even though it was animated with yandu and him like throwing it the way the christmas tree mm. and stuff that made me mm-hmm. cry and i was like yandu yeah. no <laughs> and then another stuff with mantis and peter when he was like oh it's the best gift i could have gotten that made me tear up and then when they showed the little like flashback of what actually ended up happening that christmas and i was like oh my heart <laughs> yeah he gets the two blasters and the secret origin of yandu's obsession with little troll oh, figurines right yeah i know that was sweet so dominic you've admitted you're not a huge guardians guy yeah but apart from that i mean i thought it was fine i thought it was just there i didn't have a big emotional reaction to it but that's that's okay um like a lot of james gunn things it was sort of the pleasures and the pop cultural reference tracking of it remind me did we meet that cosmo dog in one of the movies so far was that yeah. in the video game yeah. no in the oh, movie okay. cosmo was in was in the first guardians because cosmo was in the background in, in the collector's, the collectors, collect, collector's yes. collection and then i think the yeah, the end credits of the first one is when howard the duck it breaks out of the thing and then i think cosmo comes up to Howard the Duck at the end of oh okay that's yeah. yeah I just couldn't remember because uh, so but Cosmo I, didn't have a voice up in the video game until, until this yeah. special and then Cosmo was voiced by the actress from the second Borat movie who was nominated for an Oscar Maria Baklova mm. she does yeah, the voice for that, Cosmo hilarious. Sorry, yeah the cool distinctive voice <laughs> like when she brought the gift to Craglin and it was the like rat thing oh the rat that's right <laughs> and he was so like he was like oh thanks and she was just so pleased with herself i yeah. thought her was so cute but i loved groot's gift of like the we the, here are the scenes from the show we just watched and then yeah. craglin had a figure of craglin holding craglin holding yeah. craglin, yes. holding craglin. like do we think car carved out of his own flesh those I think little so. groot toys <laughs> yeah. did oh, no. did we think groot is a guy in a suit that's a groot suit that it wasn't CGI. Because it was like a weird, like, I was like, why does he look so weird? <laughs> he's finally bulky enough that it could be a guy in a suit, right? Yeah, he's, he's a guy in a suit. Right in he's... With like CGI, like face and stuff, right? But like. Yeah, it literally could have been Vin Diesel himself because I was just like. <laughs> yeah. He's like swole Groot. <laughs> yeah, I took oh, I it as teenage so or late teenage Groot is going through a gym phase. Or like you <laughs> say, he wants to get swole and jacked and, uh, you know, which is a phase that, you know, all growing kids. Which, I, you know, I'm all for practical effects. So I was like, oh, cool. They got a guy in a rubber suit playing Groot. That's that. Cool. I, I loved it. I love seeing more Drax and Mantis because I just think they're, I always like their bits in the like other movie, but then like to actually really let them shine was great. Yeah. And then, I really love the fact that they gave like Palm Clementine even though mm-hmm. she was not first build, she's literally the star of this special. She's oh, the yeah, main she's character. So mm-hmm. It was so great to see, like like Brittany just said, Mantis kind of take center stage because I had read about like Mantis and Drax go find Kevin Bacon, and that was the story. But like, you really get to see Drax and Mantis, but particularly Mantis, mm-hmm. 
come into her own as a character. And hopefully that pretends that she has a bigger role in volume three. Hopefully I was laughing so hard when they were at the Hollywood Walk of Fame and they were like, Steve, and it was <laughs> mm-hmm. not Steve. And, and then I was like, they're getting so much money from like them taking pictures with like Drax. And then, oh, it was just all good. And I love when they find out that Kevin Bacon was an actor. And then like Drax was like, oh, he is repugnant. He's like, oh, <laughs> oh, and he does all that stuff. Like it's hilarious. I also love, speaking of this map of the stars, John Cena and Margot Robbie are, are actors. They exist in the MCU as Margot Robbie and John Cena. So you can never cast oh, okay. John Cena nor Margot Robbie in an MCU movie going forward. Because they were on well, that I mean, map. They were on the map. Okay. When they show the map of the stars, you see like Margot well, Robbie. Technically, Kevin Bacon has played an uh, X-Men character. <laughs> Dominic I like and I talked about that a couple episodes ago, how he's Sebastian Shaw and you know he's actually the first mutant in the mc <laughs> yeah th- that's really funny and then um i liked when he they're like we need you to like be a hero and he goes okay i'm batman <laughs> <laughs> yeah again <laughs> confirming the dc universe exists in the mcu because remember eternals mentions batman and superman mm-hmm. so i wonder what mm-hmm. like i wonder how that works <laughs> Like you already have real life superheroes in your world, but people still read about like Superman and Batman. Yeah, the comics have to be about something. I don't know. They make money though. Every time someone mentions it, apparently, so they do it. So that's why they mention <laughs> each other. Something like that. That's what I heard. So yeah, I thought that was a James Gunn flex of just yeah. like, man, I, I get to mention all of them now because I work in both universes. <laughs> yeah, because he's yeah. he's already technically the CEO of DC Studios. So I. Feel like they're just sports teams trading players back and forth. (laughs) And yeah, oh, speaking of universes colliding, I was very interested in that GoBots reference. It was (laughs) nice to see the GoBots skin. For those who don't Uh, know, GoBots were like the the knockoff, slightly cheaper, less popular version of the Transformers that came out. Maybe seen like one episode of Mm -hmm. GoBots. Yeah. There ain't that much nostalgia for them. I don't know. Psykill is kind of cool. I I like Psykill a lot growing up. Yeah. The 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 toys were a little smaller and a little cheaper, but they were. I don't uh, know. They, they licensed by a different. Destroyed team. Drax's friends or something. So yeah. I don't know if I like. Yeah, Gobots <laughs> killed Drax's cousin, <laughs> so they beat beat him up. Right, and Drax has such a tragic life already with Thanos. And I just wonder <laughs> if that means somewhere that you know Thanos and the evil Gobots were on the same side, or that was probably just. <laughs> Right. just making stuff up but mantis is supposed to be cyclically perceptive and knows all these inner workings of things anyway now i'm overthinking it but i just enjoyed seeing some gobots <laughs> but again surprise there's no i guess it would have been to your point about like paying royalties to dc there was no guy in a superman costume walking around you should have hollywood <laughs> or spider-man <laughs> <laughs> who is the one guy you can always see but they also have to pay royalties to Sony. But that's probably uh, still in some contentious (laughs) area. Who was all there? It was... There was a Black Widow, a Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel, Ant-Man. Thor. Oh, I didn't see the Thor, but I heard them say say something about the God of Thunder. Oh, and uh, my brother caught the God of War reference. I am not... Mm -hmm. Oh, because they thought Drax was the guy. Drax looks a little bit like God of War. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so my brother caught that. He got excited for that because I think he just got the new game too, or something like that. Yeah, there was a new one that came out. Yeah, I joked about how John Cena and, and Margot Robbie are part of James Gunn's DC universe. Mm-hmm. Their faces popped up in, in in this. I wonder 
now that to your point about James Gunn being the head of DC, will he migrate some of his guardians? Well, he could. Who 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 would you picture Palm Clementif as in the DC universe or Dave Batista? Who could they play in the DC universe? Well, I don't know who's the people. I don't know if they're going to be two of the characters who die just because they got some shine in this one. Gosh, they'll die in, in volume three and then and migrate over. Because he the did DC say universe. that he's killing off characters to bring them to the DC universe. <laughs> probably. So it could be those two. Ah. Oh. Gosh, I don't know who I could see them playing, but I kind of want to. I I feel like this may be too out there, but Dave Bautista's Lobo. Yeah, because someone's got to be Lobo because Jason. Because it can't be Jason Momoa. Oh, it can't be, even though that would be such better casting. But sorry, go on. (laughs) No, it's a good question. I would like to see Palm. I can't say her last name is someone without the bug eyes. Maybe it's like a someone with a human face for some some DC person. I think she'd be a cool Cheshire. Thatcher. Do you say Cheshire? Yeah. From the Teen from, Titans villain? Yeah, from Young Justice. Okay, yeah. why not? Good call. I think she'd be a really cool Cheshire. Yeah, and that's a character just obscure enough that James Gunn is like all over it. <laughs> <laughs> and again, not too many Asian characters in the DC universe, you know, right? Like there's a there's only a handful <laughs> that you can you think Cheshire's Asian? Well, or, she is, is in she Young Asian? Justice. I don't know if she okay, is in fine. the comics. <laughs> she was voiced by Kelly Hu in, in Young Justice. I mean, it, it totally works. Yeah, not to go on a tangent. But, but yeah, you were speaking of actor ensembles, right? Like the guy who is the bartender in the bar that they go to to get drunk was also a javelin. In, yeah, in Suicide Flula Squad. Borg. Yeah. Yeah. We met on the press tour. He's very you know, yeah. distinctive characters. Hard to forget. I remember when that video of Flula talking about Karen Poops at parties and like, I don't know if you guys remember his YouTube stint. Remind us. Yeah. <laughs> well, he would just do stupid like like vlogging videos about like, you know, adjusting to American like culture or why do Americans say these things? And he was just like, one of my coworkers was talking about, yeah, but we don't really like inviting this one coworker to parties because she's a party pooper. And he was like, she poops at parties like how loud is it and you know in his accent and all that stuff so it's just like really funny or the proof is in the pudding another one that he talks about like i don't know he used to do like little like stupid kind of videos like that and that's yeah. how he got famous so now when i see him and stuff i'm just like that's the poops and party guy right i'm sure that's how he got the job it is particularly ridiculous sense of humor and uh, and so I, so that's how we got the coveted role of javelin like i mean the kid's just like he's interested he's an interesting guy to find the part for wait can i go back to guardians for one second obviously the emotional core is should be this brother and sister finding each other again but again i don't remember the guardians movies that well does mantis have a mom what's the what's... yeah she says in volume two that ego found her uh and it seems like Ego actually created her with whoever her mom. I'm sure her mom is of whatever species. Oh, okay. Mantis I'm sorry, is. it's coming back to me as we talk, but the Ego is doing this sort of crappy thing of running around impregnating people on various right. planets. So It made sense wow. to me when she was just like, oh, my other secret. And then she's like, oh, that you're like a sister. And I was like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. I wasn't like as shocked as some people were to find that mm-hmm. out. But, but yeah, I thought it made sense. Also, I need to know, how did Nebula get the arm for Rocket? Yeah, what's she doing with Bucky's arm? That's that's a that's a big mystery. Because that's Bucky's Wakandan arm. That's his vibranium She just arm. went and hacked it off in his sleep. It's like, you know, Wakanda will make you another one. When Io took it off, did she ever give it back to him? <laughs> I don't know, but I'm just like, how did she get it? 
That's a good question. What? I thought because at first I thought it was his old arm with like the the Russian star on it, mm-hmm. but it was clearly his vibranium arm. So like Bucky's got no arm right now. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, that's a that's a plot point in Thunderbolt. Right. No, another one of his un, unsung. That's what uh, my little brother thought. Right. He's like, maybe we'll find out in Thunderbolts, and I was like, maybe. <laughs> no, you're right. Hopefully, we'll come up in Thunderbolts. I love nebula the way nebula dances though i love nebula nebula's oh, dance moves. she's I'm got so the great the best best dance moves exactly how you think a death cyborg would dance <laughs> like really good uh good physicality there karen gillian can i also add if i want to put on my fantasy fan wish list james gunn if you're listening now that we've established that star lord and mantis are related it would be nice in the future if they could have a conversation about that one time on titan when mantis totally had thanos completely under wraps and would have avoided the whole problem except for that time your freaking half brother went in and started went all aggro and stomping him in the face which caused half the universe to die you know i realize i harp on this thing but like yeah. mantis you'll never forget totally... peter for that will you well, ne- well he was one of those stupid <laughs> things where the hero chris <laughs> causes the the yeah, the, the villains a win essentially yeah, but he would ha- he was gonna someone was gonna have to be the person to mess it up and i feel like it's star lord probably makes the most sense because he's smart enough to try to not mess something up but like dumb enough to let or not dumb enough but like emotional enough to like let his emotions overcome it which something is that yandu has been always trying to tell him like you gotta like you know, keep your emotions back and yeah, focus yeah, more yeah, yeah. because it's gonna cause it's gonna get you killed. And then yeah, they reference yeah. it again in the you know the Christmas special kind of thing. Like you can't do that out here. And yeah, and so I think it was just like the he was the right person to basically. No, you're right. It was totally appropriate for the plot moment. I just think that now that they have a closer connection, and also because Mantis has always been a little bit shifted aside, even though again she could have won the whole Infinity War, but whatever. <laughs> like now, now they now they can have more of like a a sibling conversation about that time. You know, just just like a check in on your behavior, bro, kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, with that. Brittany Monet, what's nerd popping? So this is kind of weird. I might have seen Chris Evans the other night. It, so he came into your shop. I no, I not on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. That guy who's not. You were like Steve. I know that was like um. So I went to go see um this band called State Champs at the Anaheim House of Blues, which is literally like five minutes away from Disneyland. And so I took a coworker with me who's like this was uh, their first concert too, by the way. And so when he was, uh, he, when he came back from the bathroom, he was like, there was this guy in the bathroom who like, I could tell he was like someone really famous because he was trying to not be recognized. And he's like, and I thought he looked familiar, but I couldn't pinpoint him. And like, he knew that I recognized him. He were like, shh to me when I recognized him. <laughs> like, like, he, like you're in the Smithsonian. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, and he looked more familiar when he did that, but I can't, I can't place him. So I'm like, okay. And then, um, so then the concert was over, whatever, we're leaving. And then uh, you could tell these this couple walking closer to us, uh, white people walking closer to us, where um, they also came from the concert, but like came from a different direction as like leaving. And as the dude got closer, I was like, that guy is really handsome and looks really familiar. And um, he got even closer and he had on this like very tight maroon shirt that like is something that Chris Evans would probably wear. 
and uh, a hat, like, you know, fold it. And then beard, very pretty white dude with like bluish, greenish eyes. Mm-hmm. And when he was close enough in my face, like where I could like really see, I was like, and I looked at my coworker and I was like, Dylan, I was like, that's Captain America. <laughs> You're like 70% sure. And he was 85%. Like, he's like, yeah. He's like, oh, he's like, oh, that's the dude I saw in the bathroom. And I was just like, uh, and I you was like lived to- out a scene from the winter soldier for real. <laughs> he did yes and yeah like, that one where he's trying to be incognito in the mall. Yeah, yeah. Just and then i was still talking to dylan is like so then they had got on the elevator chris and um I, i'm assuming it's his girlfriend and they got on the elevator and he like like kind of looked looked down and then looked up at us because he knew he knew we recognized him and then i was like that's chris evans and then that was like yeah so um if he wasn't chris evans he really looked like chris evans was playing the damn part so well to like make people think it but i think it was him so (laughs) that's that's a cool story cool so dominic follow that (laughs) oh well i mean this is nerdy only a certain kind of way uh but i did want to just acknowledge irene Kara who passed away the other day and mainly because she did a bunch of different things but those two songs, Flashdance and Fame, are very formative for a certain number of us growing up in the 80s. And I just spent the whole day just listening to those two songs on repeat. So Aww. gosh bless to uh, Irene Carey. Be at peace. She's going to live forever. People mm-hmm. will remember her name. And Keith? Did also involve a celebrity in real life? No, I did not meet any celebrities over the weekend. However, I didn't meet him. I just saw him. <laughs> by the way. Same thing. No, you you breathe the same air as Captain America. Uh, I can't believe that. The Black Adam movie is already on digital, so if you haven't had a chance to see it in the theaters, you can now rent it or buy it from iTunes or wherever you get digital films, and. I, you know, like we didn't get a chance to discuss Black Adam as a as a crew. I had my brother on when the movie came out. I, I still recommend you guys see Black Adam. I think it's worth seeing. If not, it's not the greatest movie of all time, but it's also not the worst. And I feel like it got unfairly just pummeled at the at the uh, not just at the box office, but at the, you know, my critics and things like that. Like people act like it's the worst movie ever made and, and it's not. I don't know when I'm going to get to see this now. <laughs> and then, like, it, I was like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to see it in time. It's, it's, it's a fun movie. I, okay. I suggest. So. I still haven't seen it either. Look at us. On good, HBO but, Max? Not yet. It's just available to rent right now. But, Keith, someone did ask me today if it was kid-friendly, and I couldn't answer honestly. You have kids. I mean, it's I said it's I didn't PG-13. think so. It's, it's violent, but it's, like, PG-13 violent. Like, there's some, like, there's nothing in it that's, like, beyond the pale. Like, there's actually, like, a a teenage kid who's like a lot of people complain about but i thought was full of heart who's Mm. a main character who's kind of like the audience's gateway into the story but there's maybe like depending on how young the kid is there's one scene where he kills a mercenary that's a little gross but again nothing that you wouldn't see in like a video game or even a star wars movie and then and then the way he kills the main villain is a little a little much but again I don't think it. It's not not kid friendly. Okay, but compared to the Shazam movies, which I think are pretty kid friendly, 
Yeah, it's more it's a more it's more intense than Shazam. But it it does you know that's the other thing. It doesn't feel like people were saying like there's no way that the Zachary Levi Shazam and The Rock can coexist in the same universe and that's not true at all. Like it's cl- there's a very clear through line from Shazam to this that I think. And the Justice Society is really great. I recommend it just to see the Justice Society. But anyway, this ain't the Black Adam podcast. Brittany, how can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and Hive. All at Hive Brittany Monet. Yeah, that's where I'm at. And then also, you know, the Lituation Room, which is at Lit Room underscore something. It's on it's on my Twitter still to follow it. That's that's me where that's where you can find me. Dominic. Oh, I'm not on Twitter so much anymore, but Instagram, we're generally in, in, on the internet. So I'm Dama, D-O-M-M-A-H, and is the usual handle. And also you can look at my YouTube channel, melancholyball.com sometimes. Yeah. You can find me on Twitter at the real child, the underscore real underscore chow, and on Instagram at real Keith chow. And I am also on Hive, but I don't use it. But you can follow me at the real chow. Follow the Nerds of Color at the Nerds of Color on all platforms, including Hive. We're trying to make Hive a thing, so we're, we're there. You can also subscribe to our videos at youtube.com slash the Nerds of Color and buy merch at TeePublic. Support us on patreon.com slash the Nerds of Color and go to Hard Knock Media to find us and all the podcasts in the Hard Knock family. Give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, please. Until next time. Yeah, and this might be our last one for a while. Yes. I mean, happy winter holidays to all of us. Fuck the Empire. Fuck the Empire. <laughs> <laughs>